Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television. Joseph Wallenstein will join us in our second hour. Joe has worked behind the scenes in many capacities on such feature motion pictures as The Godfather, The Paper Chase, and American Hot Wax. Plus, he has produced and directed such popular TV series as Hotel Seventh Heaven and Knott's Landing. Joseph Wallenstein is also an accomplished writer. His latest book, Flynn and Miranda provides the backstory on the Miranda rights and the Miranda decision. The historic Supreme Court case, U.S. versus Miranda, that not only shaped the U.S. criminal code as we know it today, but created a moment in legal history that changed the lives of all Americans. This coming Sunday, June 13th, marks the 55th anniversary of the U.S. versus Miranda decision. We'll talk about that and more when Joseph Wallenstein joins us in our second Hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Chuck Harder is with us in the studio as we bring you part two of our conversation that began last week with actress, singer, filmmaker, and minister Allison Mills Newman. Allison made her network television debut in 1965 on an episode of Mr. Novak that paved the way for other opportunities in television, including a recurring role opposite Diane Carroll in the groundbreaking sitcom. Julia will ask Allison how she came to join the cast of Julia in just a second. We'll also talk about the latest development of her faith-based film series, The Tree Widow. Allison's appearance this week is courtesy of Chuck Harder. Chuck Harder, author of Mr. Novak, an acclaimed television series, and an upcoming book about the life and times of actress Lila Leeds. We'll ask Chuck about that later on in our conversation as well. In the meantime, as we pick up the thread with Allison, she was talking about the impact that her television appearances first on Mr. Novak and then later Julia had on the African-American community at large. The fact that through your appearances on network television at that time, I mean, that touched a lot of, I would imagine, female viewers, but as well as African-American male viewers. Hey, someone who looks like me is in a major guest star role or appearing opposite Diane Carroll every week or every other week, and so that I'm I'm sure that inspired other African American uh, young viewers to pursue acting as a craft. Yes, I yes, most definitely, and I'm so grateful for that. And that's what you just said is often what my mother would tell me. You know <laughs> that she would say, "God is using me," you know, to inspire other people and to let other people know that all things are possible, and you hang in there, and you prepare yourself, and you go there and you be ready and you do a great job. And so, um, yes, that position and that opportunity, you know, I held with, a, you know, a great sense of regard and, you know, that I wanted to represent my people in a positive way and all people in a positive way. But, you know, that was embedded in my psyche to, you know, to be excellent. And so I tried to do that. And, yes, and so during that time, I was an inspiration to a lot of young people, white and black. I remember they didn't have social media like they do now, so I'd go in stores or anywhere I went. It was almost, you know, like a crowd. You know, I remember one time, they don't have a store in California anymore, but it was a big store at the time, Orbox, and my family mm-hmm. used to love to go in there and buy stuff. I remember going in there one Saturday after I had appeared on, uh, probably by that time it was Julia. Man, I mean, it was just a whole line, and people are weeping and crying. Oh, can I sign your autograph? Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, this and that, you know. 
And I have to tell you, Ed and Chuck, that was like really amazing to me because at home, I'm just a person, you know, like mom is like just so serious. You are just a person. This is job, like being a teacher or, or driving a bus. You know, you ain't nobody, so don't get a big head. <laughs> <laughs> so when I go out, you know, everybody's weeping and crying. It's like, but I'm just a person. But then, you know, my agent said, no, sign the autographs. Because if you don't sign the autographs, you're going to look rude. And like, yeah. you think you're better. So I had to readjust and understand, okay. I can't tell you don't need my autograph. I'm a person just like you. Just sign it. You know, I remember riding like in the watch parade, all these parades, you know, in these convertibles with Diane Carroll and Corey Baker and waving to people and people on the sideline, you know, just crying and screaming and yelling, you know, like we're gods or something. But in a positive way, um, yeah. I do hope that I was able to inspire, and that position did. I mean, it's just built in because it was pioneering. It was history-making at that time, you know, and so it definitely opened the minds of a lot of black people that things are possible, and hopefully all people that all things are possible and pursue your dream, and so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful because I know I was used in that area in people's lives like that. Well, you were. And and I know that God used me to inspire people. And so, you know, I'm really grateful, even as I speak about it, just have tears remembering that time in my life and the blessing that that was. To work with Diane, such a wonderful soul, you know, um, all the great people that were already famous <laughs> as I came along to work with them, you know, and how they were just human, too. They were just human with me, I must say. You know, we were just all human together. We were famous on TV, but, you know, I hung out at her house, you know, hung out with her daughter, all these people, they were just like people. You know? Well, Allison, tell us, how did you get the role on Julia and any memories of working with Diane Carroll? Oh, Chuck, yeah. So I did the Mr. Novak, the title of Mr. Novak, and I guess starred on John Forsyth. The John Forsyth show, yeah. And roles were rare, not only for a black person, but just, you know, a kid. And so a few years passed, and I was 17. And by that time, I did have an agent, and so I went out for the role. You know, I auditioned for the role along with a lot of other, by that time, more African-American actors. Maybe not necessarily, I don't remember anyone 17, but, you know, maybe 20, 21, 22, stuff like that. Maybe there were some young ones, but I don't really remember them. And, but anyway, I auditioned for the role. Um, competition was a little more, um, you know, deep. <laughs> but I, by the grace of God, I got the role. And when I met Diane Carroll, I remember her saying, you know, oh, we're so excited for you to get the role. You were the best one. My mom was there. And she was like, oh, I got to tell you and your mom. We were just all, you were the best one, the hands down. You were the best one. And so... I was like, oh, thank you so much, you know. And my mom had had me watching movies with Diane Carroll that she had been in with Dorothy Dandridge, and that was so awesome. So, you know, to give me a reference point as to um, Diane's uh, journey. And um, so uh, Diane was just a great mentor to me and, again, just treated me totally like, like an equal. I don't know if you've seen any of the the episodes, but it was just like a real bond, you know, like we just really, really got along on set. 
and off. And I definitely, definitely looked up Karen, and she definitely, definitely um, hoped and just knew that I was, you know, going to be a movie star like she had been, and and you know, just brought me into her life and invited me to her home and accepted me into her private life. So that's how I got the role, Chuck. I got that role like one, you know, basic Hollywood 101, just the agent, that process, and um, you know, auditioning. And uh, that's to, how to that happened. Allison Mills Newman is on the line with us. Allison made her network television debut in 1965 on an episode of Mr. Novak that paved the way for other opportunities in television, including a recurring role opposite Diane Carroll in the groundbreaking sitcom Julia. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Later on in the conversation, Chuck and I will ask Allison about her experience in the music industry working with Herb Alpert, Allison Mills Newman, also the writer, producer, and director of The Tree Widow, The Tree Widow, a series of faith-based films about a charismatic woman who helps young people make better choices in their lives. You can enjoy The Tree Widow films for free on YouTube. You can follow Allison on Facebook as well as AllisonMNewman.com and Keep Faith Film Ministries. Chuck. Two more things on Julia. I believe Uh at the time Julia aired, being a sitcom and the first one featuring black performers, there was some criticism in some of the black press that Julia wasn't black enough. If you remember that or can talk about it and then discuss why you left the show. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of hate mail from every nationality and race, but a lot of love, too. So it's a balance. If you get a million hate mail or, you know, criticism, there's a balance where you probably get a million support and celebration. But, yeah, I think that's a running theme in the black community that needs to sort of be nipped in the bud because it was a positive, it was a very positive story about a black woman who was a nurse self-sufficient who had been married. I mean, she was married. I mean, it wasn't like she was living in sin or <laughs> if I could put that in, you know, or whatever. It was a legitimate, um, righteous presentation of a black woman who was professional. So I don't get that, you know. I don't know what that personally is about, but there are quarters in the black community with different ideas and different thoughts and different pros and cons. And so that was something that rose up that, I didn't agree with then, and I don't agree with now, but so be it. I think at the end of the day, as artists, we have to understand that when we put ourselves out there and present whatever we do, that it's always going to be haters, even within our own culture or outside of our culture or whatever, and that's just part of the walk, and that's just part of the territory. So, yeah, that also did happen, but um, we were also applauded. There's a TV episode that we did about Christmas, and we had a black Santa Claus. And that was a big uproar about that. We got millions of hate mail about that. But the storyline in that particular episode is that Santa Claus can be, you know, any color that you mm-hmm. want him to be. Mm-hmm. And so what difference does it make? You know, it's the spirit of Christmas and not the color. But anyway, we got a lot of hate mail for that. And a lot of, but that storyline was very, very, very revolutionary. And they're still debating that today. You know, the color of Santa Claus or the color of Jesus or the color of that. You know, but we just kind of like wanted to embrace the idea of the color may be there or may not be there, but it's not the color, it's the spirit. And the spirit of Santa Claus or the spirit of, of Christmas is 
the spirit of giving in that secular arena. Because we know in the spiritual arena, the spirit of Christmas is about the birth of Christ. But the second question about why I left Julia, so what happened as time was going on and I got more comfortable and my friendship with Diane and the producers and everyone, and we would have discussions about stories. And I grew up in theater, in workshops. When you, got, when you get a script or a play in our workshops, studying as an actress or an actor, you know, you look at this, at this character and you, and you kind of imagine, well, how would she wear her hair? Or how would she talk? Or how will she walk? And you create a whole persona. You know, like what went before her? What brought her to this point? Why is she feeling this way? And so you develop your backstory about your character, and you and you bring it to your director or to your costume person, you know, and you kind of discuss the you know the collaboration of creating this character and making it real. And so as time went on on Julia, they had me wearing a ponytail wig. It was like I guess Indian or Asian hair, and you know went all the way down my back. And so. I have long hair. You know, my hair, I have like a wavy version of black hair. My mm-hmm. hair was very long at the time. And, um, you know, I had hair like I wasn't bald. And <laughs> I was a teenager. Yeah. And teenagers don't wear wigs. Teenagers are, you know, they wear their own hair. And plus I was a teenager doing a revolutionary time when black people were wearing their hair natural and they were doing away, even repressing their hair and you know, and wearing wigs, right? And if you notice, even Diane occasionally transformed to the point where she was wearing a natural wig. So one day, when we're sitting around the table, you know, discussing an episode, you know, I say to the producer and to the director, you know, I say, well, you know, hey, I want to suggest this. (laughs) I'm 17 years old, and I'm black, and really nobody in, in America that's black looks like me. Or where I mean, wears their hair like me, mm-hmm. and really nobody white in America even wears their hair like nobody is really wearing a ponytail like this, you know. Like it was like the hippie time, like white people were letting their hair. Like if you remember back in the twenties, thirties, and the forties, whatever, you know, you have curls and waves, like that garble look and all that kind of stuff. But teenagers, white people, white teenagers, they were like letting their hair just be hang straight. And black people were wearing naturals or something similar along those lines. And I had hair, and I wasn't bald, and my hair was fine. Like, and so, you know, I asked them, I said, you know, can we begin to transform uh, my character, you know, to wear her own hair? And, you know, I said, this storyline would just be perfect, you know, for her to have her own. Oh, my goodness! <laughs> Did they go off on me? Wow. Oh, my goodness. I was entitled. I was arrogant. Who did I think I was? I should be grateful to have this role. Everybody in America is going to be wearing their hair like that. Wasn't nobody wearing their hair like that. Nobody. Nobody. And they just went off on me. They just went off on me that I was ungrateful. And I was very professional and humble about it, you know, and we, uh, and you know, I was trained as an actor. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. You discuss, you know, transformation, the character can grow, you know, and, and the times that we were living, it was just uh, not believable. It just, it just did, really didn't make sense to me, especially as a teen. You know, teens are very, you know, we want to be who we are. And I wanted to represent my teen people, and I wanted to fit in with my teen people, you know. 
And I wanted to make that transformation. At least I wanted to address it and give them something to think about, even if they didn't agree with it right then and there. You know, I wanted to open the door with the discussion. As I had done all my life as an actor, I grew up being very adult and very mature and mm-hmm. dealing with roles as an adult would. And so there I was dealing with it as a professional. I was a teenager, but in an adult way and in a professional way. You know, I wasn't disrespectful and I wasn't rude. I just presented it professionally as I've always done all of my professional acting life. And so that just, I think that was the nail in the coffin where they, well, the producer, Hal Cantor, you know, he said, and this is a true story. I almost cry when I think about it. He said, well, your hair looks like rats have been sucking on it. Oh, that's not, you know? that's not cool. And I was like, I didn't know what to, t- you know, I, I, I felt like I had gotten my intelligence enough together to deal with presenting this, you know, concept to them. But yeah. for him to speak back to me that my hair, you know, my wavy, beautiful hair looked like rats had been sucking on it. You know, that's like, hmm. You know, like he's making a TV show about black people, but he doesn't really respect black people yeah. or the way we look or anything. He's kind of like just using this for his own benefit. I mean, that's what I thought about it inside. Like, well, you, were right. you know, yeah. how could he tell me, like a black teen- teenager, how could he tell anybody that their hair looks like rats have been sucking on it, you know? And my hair was beautiful, and, and it's beautiful. And so, and black hair is beautiful, and kinky hair is beautiful, and straight hair is beautiful, and Asian hair is beautiful. And so I was just... You know, I didn't respond. You know, I was respectful. I was raised, you know, be respectful and, and professional. But I think a little by little, they began to write me out, which was fine. They just slowly wrote me out after that part. And I did go to Diane, and I did talk to her about it. I remember knocking on her trailer one day, and she was like, Oh, Allison, just wear the wig. Just wear the wig. And so I guess in that area, I was just ahead of my time. A lot of people, I was in my time, but... I don't know, some people just, I was ahead of my time. Well, I don't know what I was. And just being a teenager, and just being a professional actor, but that's what happens. Well, that's if I may, I think you knew exactly who you were, because as we mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, Allison, you were blessed with a sense of who you are from the very beginning that came from your mother, that came from your father. You had a keen sense of who you were and an awareness of who you were representing, and you were not afraid to speak your mind, and you were not afraid to hold to your principle, even if it meant losing a part on a TV show, but you knew that you were bigger than that. Right. I think I would lose it, though. That was the thing. I didn't, you know, I because I, but I guess I, because we talked about different things and we would change different words and different things, you know, like they were, they would adjust to different ideas that we would bring to the table. But I guess this hair thing was just really, was just a major thing in the producer's head. You know, I, he just couldn't probably wrap his head yeah. around black hair. And and maybe he just couldn't wrap his head around a young kid, black kid, bringing that awareness to him. He did tell me that he thought I was being arrogant so um, and disrespectful, which I wasn't. So, yeah. But anyway, you know... That was that. And so eventually, little by little, I would see that my scenes were shorter because I was pretty much, I had a good balance of being in a few 
scenes during most of the episodes that I was in. But little by little, I would see that I was being written out. And then eventually I was written out. And so my mom was like, you know, I praise the Lord. And life goes on, Allison. But but amazingly enough, and gorgeously enough, and by God's divine providence, my next TV series um, with... um, Leslie Uggams. With Leslie Uggams and all the other TV shows that I guess start on, hair was not an issue, you know, like they got it. Like with Leslie Uggams, I was never even presented with a wig. I wore my my own hair on it in the series and all the other... TV shows that I did, you know, I wore my own hair, and no one ever questioned me about it. No one ever said anything about it. And so, you know, Ed and Chuck, if I was playing a character that would require me, you know, to wear a certain hairstyle, right, I would wear it. But, so, it's not, it wasn't about the hairstyle, or whether it was a natural or this or that, but that particular character, yeah. me being a teenager in a normal TV series <laughs> like Julia, she would normally wear her own hair. Right, and it would fit the character, it fit the story, it fit the episode, it fit the time, it fit everything. Yes, it did, Allison, and may I remind any listeners who hear this, go to YouTube and punch in Julia, and there's a full-length episode, I think it's the only full-length episode, and it says full-length episode, and Allison is in it quite a bit, and she has some great scenes with Diane Carroll, so Julia full-length YouTube, and you can see her. And Allison Mills Newman is our guest this hour, along with Chuck Harder. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll continue our conversation with Allison and Chuck. We come back on TV Confidential. Become a TV Confidential confidant and receive unlimited access to the last five years of TV Confidential, plus other members-only content. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com slash join. This Week in TV History now has its own podcast you can enjoy. This Week in TV History with Tony Figueroa on Megaphone and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.